Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure to check out the show notes for more details on today's topics and information about my online class, Dental Insurance Design and Management. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. I'd like to give a shout out to my friends at Synergy Dental Partners for sponsoring our podcast. They know how important the admin team is to our industry. Synergy is a group purchasing organization or GPO. GPOs reduce your overhead with lower supply costs. They also have partnerships with labs and various service providers. You owe it to your revenue cycle to check them out. They're giving Nobody Told Me That listeners a two-month free trial and a $200 Darby credit for new Darby customers. For more information, check out the link in the show notes or go to odysseymgmt.com slash synergy. We are back here with my friend, India Chan. She's a two-timer now on my podcast. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I, I feel like a veteran now. Yeah, well, you are. And so for those of you who haven't heard India's first podcast episode, we went into all sorts of HIPAA and OSHA and infection control. It was really the infection control that I was like giving her. I had so many questions for you. Yes. So you are the the founder and owner of Learn to Prevent, which is an organization. It's a company that educates on all of the topics I just mentioned, but also you're rolling out some really cool online information too. And so we'll dip into that. But what's been keeping you busy since I last talked to you? Infection control, HIPAA, OSHA, both, everything? I would say everything, Teresa. I mean, it's really been everything. I think one of the silver linings of COVID was that, you know, dental practices and dental healthcare providers really started to take a look at their compliance programs. They really wanted to, you know, ensure that they had a robust program, but also they wanted credible information. That's one of the things that I've found that you know, a lot of dental practices now and dental settings, period, are wanting that credible information. They want to do the right thing. They're trying to make sure that they're implementing all of the protocols. And so that's really been keeping me busy, not to mention I I do a lot of speaking nationally. So that's been um, pretty uh, busy as well. Well, it's been fun watching you go kind of all over the country. You've been, you've been pretty busy. Let's go back to this whole thing about credible though. Where are people getting their information that makes them think, okay, this doesn't sound right. And so they need <laughs> credible. Like where are they going for the incredible information? Oh, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Uh, well, they think it's incredible. They think it's amazing <laughs> that they, where they get some of this information. I would say social media has been yeah. the place where people go the most if their practice or their dental setting does not have their own compliance consultant or maybe even like an OSHA officer or an infection control mm -hmm. coordinator, most people are going into groups. You know, a lot of dental healthcare providers are in Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. They're following profiles on Instagram and now the biggie is TikTok. So there's oh a goodness. lot of education happening. <laughs> around infection control for dental settings on TikTok, which 
I will just, I will just leave it there. Okay. I won't, I won't comment I on that. I can't, so. I can't, I can't do TikTok. <laughs> I, every time I think I can do it, I really look at it and I go, this is just not my people rather than try to like, sure. put, you know, square peg in a round hole. Like yes. it just would not be a good fit. And I think my yeah. son would remind yeah. me of that. Like yeah. every time I made a video, he'd be like so embarrassing mom. Yeah. But yeah, some people funny. are really, really good at it. And I mean, yeah. I have a sense of humor and so do you, but gosh, you have to really like be creative and thoughtful yes. about a whole bunch yes. of stuff. And I just don't have that kind of energy and drive, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think TikTok is for a certain type of, of user that, you know, just has all that energy is full of energy yes. and can do that. But I just don't have the energy to do that. So yeah. I, sometimes I've gone on TikTok just to kind of see what's happening in the dental infection control world, as well as like Instagram too. I mean, we do have a profile on Instagram. So it's interesting mm -hmm. to see. I get laughs, I will say some of it is really creative and original, which is and some of it's really funny too, which I yeah. think is, is good too, because we need to have a little humor in this space in dentistry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You and I have yeah. like the most sexy topics, insurance and yes. infection control. It's so sexy. Exactly. Like we're in exactly. such high demand. I know. Yes. Yes. I know. I always tell people I don't have the most sexy, sexiest or most exciting topic. So it's okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes event organizers will say, you know, sometimes people are, you know, they might fall asleep. I apologize in advance. I said, oh, don't worry. I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So let me ask you a question because last time when we talked, we talked a lot about how there's got to be an OSHA person. There's got to be a point mm -hmm. of contact. There's got to be somebody that owns that program. Well, infection control has really come a long way. I mean, OSAP has really exploded and done a good job at getting the message out there. And I will definitely put links to all of this information in the show notes. But what I've noticed is managers who kind of used to take it all on. Now they're going, you know what, this is like bigger than me just maintaining a journal or a, a notebook. Are you starting to see it coming into its own position, its own set of responsibilities, rather than just kind of last person drawing the straws has to now take care of OSHA and HIPAA and all of that? Yeah, I would say that that's definitely the trend. I am seeing a lot more dental settings, whether it be private practice, DSO, dental school, mobile dentistry. Mm -hmm. They are understanding that it's a team approach and that it can't just be all on one person. I think also people are getting the message that it's not you know, you can't just write things down in a notebook and then think that you're going to cover all the bases when it comes to compliance. Also, right. it's just a lot to do. And I just don't think that one person can handle it because they have the rest of their job that they mm -hmm. need to do. And so I really am a big advocate of the team approach. Having one person kind of lead the program just because you know, that gives you some accountability, right? Um, mm -hmm. But definitely everybody taking a role and an active role in making sure that the office is compliant all the way around. So when you talk about like OSHA and HIPAA and infection control, there are duties for every single team member to do in the practice, whether they are administrative or whether they are clinical. There is a job that everybody can do. And if you spread the tasks out, then that means it's not all on one person. You reduce burnout. 
you kind of ensure that it's going to get done in a way because just having one person trying to do everything, a lot of so many things fell through the cracks. But now people are understanding that we have to have more than one person involved. So that's that's a good thing. We're moving in the right direction there. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a lot of managers are saying, let me hold on to HIPAA because that just makes sense to them. But they're kind of looking at infection control like I they're just not familiar. They don't maybe some of the admin don't take the courses that they should or at least be familiar with how to turn over a room and all of that. So I feel like this is what I hear the most. I hold on to HIPAA. And then someone in the back, you know, the back uh, is going to take care of (laughs) infection control. And like, I still hear from people when I bring up the fact that our last podcast, we talked about how OSHA is different than infection control because so many people wrap that all in. So for those of you, yep, yep. So for those of you who have not listened to the first episode, can you just do a quick like overview of why they're different? Yeah, sure. So OSHA focuses on employee safety, and that's information that's all about the physical space that your team is working in. It's also Mm -hmm. law. So OSHA is federal law, no matter what state you're in. In addition, there are some states that have a state plan, which basically puts more laws in place for your particular state, wherever you practice. But again, the main mission of OSHA is to protect the employees. Infection control is really kind of guided by the CDC guidelines. And they are not a legal agency. They are an organization in the government. They make recommendations. But their whole mission is to protect the public. So that would mean their focus would be patient safety. Both of them overlap. There are definitely areas where they overlap, like PPE and record keeping and things like that. But for the most part, CDC infection control focuses on the patient protection, and then OSHA focuses on employee protection. Now, your background as a hygienist really lent yourself to understanding this really well, because you had to deal with this probably in your own practice. But let me hear the journey, though. Like, What made you go from RDH to infection control? inspector because you're an inspector like i just love yes, saying that yes word. I'm inspe- <laughs> inspector, I'm inspector india yes you're right <laughs> so i was you know ever since i became a dental hygienist i really for me it was all about you know following the rules even when no one was looking i was like that as a child so it really came easy to me i used to get on everybody's nerves at the office but <laughs> um but i just from an ethical standpoint i've just really held the ethical code of dental hygiene dentistry just really close to my heart i've always kept it in my brain that hey this is a human being that i'm dealing with this is someone's family member i would want the same treatment if it were me or my family member. And so that's what's always kind of guided me into making sure that I'm doing the proper infection control protocols. But, you know, as my career kind of developed, I wanted to go more part-time clinically and work outside of the operatory. And I began consulting, helping to build a dental hygiene program And uh, one of the owners of the practice asked me to reach out to someone in our community who was in charge of all the compliance, the ocean infection control training for our uh, pretty much our state. And when I reached out to her, we began talking and she just kind of opened up and shared that she was going to be retiring soon. And she asked me what was my end game. And sometimes when you're having conversations, they're buzzwords. And I've yeah. said this a million times. That's a buzzword for me, like end game. I'm like, hmm. so my antennas went up and I was like, okay, what are you talking about? And we began to just 
discuss like the importance of, you know, making sure that her whole kind of all of her educational legacy continues because Mm. we need it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up kind of taking a few tips from her. I dove right in. I got connected with OSAP, which was one of the best things that I could have ever done. Organization for Safety, Asepsis and Prevention. OSAP has just been really a godsend to me. They're such a great organization. They give you all of the resources and everything that you need. And that's where I got certified. And I connected with a lot of people in this space in dentistry, Dr. Shannon Mills and uh, a few others that were actually on the the committee for the CDC guidelines in 2003. Mm. And I just began to build my business. I went out into the community, started promoting every time, you know, on social media, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And just accumulated more education. And before I knew it, I had a a business and then COVID hit and everything just exploded. And so it's been nonstop ever since. So that's, you know, that's my journey. I've been in dentistry 28 years. And so lots of experience, lots of different patients, lots of different dental settings. And um, it's just become a real passion of mine. I'm just really excited for even what's to come, which is funny because people look at me where they're like, India, who gets excited over government rules and regulations? Oh. And I'm like, me. Look who, me. You're, <laughs> look who you're talking to. This is like the the really weird, like excitable people yes. crew over yes, here. Exactly. So. Exactly. But, yeah. but you know, it's interesting though, the OSAP people that I talked to, and you know, I worked real closely with Dale and Danby for a long time. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. They're the my goodness. I mean, the excitement, the passion, it's all over the place and I love it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what you want. You want someone that has that passion to go in and check your office out because you may be, you may be thinking, uh, infection control. So you want someone (laughs) like you to go in there and be like, Ooh, let me look at this. And Ooh, let me look at this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so being certified through OSAP, do you have to have a clinical degree or are you seeing other people go through that type of same certification or? Well, I mean, is that a career path? Well, yeah, it can be. I mean, they have different types of certification. They have certification for clinicians. They have certification Mm -hmm. for dental reps that work for dental companies that could potentially be delivering, you know, some of the dental supply companies have their reps do lunch and learns and things like that. And um, so some of them have been certified. And then they also have a certification for uh, individuals that run infection control, like the education portion for a dental education company. So Mm. some of the bigger product companies in dentistry have someone that's in charge of their education where they provide CE courses or they sponsor different speakers. And so those individuals that would be the head of that particular department, there's a certification for them as well. And so we are seeing a lot more. We're seeing a lot more. I believe that it's going to become the standard in the industry, which I think that it should be mm-hmm. just based on my experience. And when you do go to social media and, and I get tagged in a question, yeah. but I see like 50 other comments before I even get to the group where some of the comments just are completely wrong some of them are even the recommendations are illegal, you know, so I think, um, yeah, it makes me cringe sometimes. But Mm -hmm. I think that this certification is becoming trend, you know, and the standard they've partnered with Danby, which is amazing. And that is Mm -hmm. their partner organization. And that's who where you would go to take the test and exam. 
And so I think that it does wonders for this particular space. I think it's elevated dentistry. It's really kind of put a stamp in dentistry that we are now starting to look at ourselves as healthcare providers, not just, Mm -hmm. I love dental professionals. I love those two words, but we're more than just professional. We're healthcare providers. And so I think that it's just definitely kind of elevating us to catch up with our medical brothers and sisters for sure. Well, on the medical side, in order to run like a facilities infection control program, you have to have like some credentials behind you. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You have to have credentials. That is pretty standard on the medical side. And so just from the way that they run their clinics from an infection control standpoint, their sterilization areas, just everything that they do, uh, Mm -hmm. they have much more regulation and oversight than we do. And so I think this certification is a step in the right direction. Okay. Well, and it's always good to get yourself regulated before somebody comes in and regulates you for you. Yes. That's always like the rule, right? Exactly. Um, So now you mentioned DSOs earlier. Do you have a lot of experience in that space, The either the small DSOs or larger DSOs? Have you worked with many of those? Yeah. So I focus mostly on the smaller DSOs. The larger DSOs tend to work with um, Mm in-house staff and they have someone that actually does what I do in-house. But the smaller DSOs, they need a little bit more help sometimes. Some of them are startups. And so they're trying to figure everything out. And so they call someone like me to come in and help them get started and make sure. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. We have a, a huge kind of explosion in the Northern Virginia area of these smaller yes. DSOs. Yes. And so that's where I'm starting to kind of have a lot of work with the smaller ones. Again, just because they don't have the in-house person. It's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a lot to do what I do yeah. and how I help practices get started and get set up. There's a lot and you got to have a lot of education and knowledge really and experience if you really want to make a solid program. And you having the online that really helps a lot too. I've I've noticed when I've gotten calls from emerging markets or small operations, they want to be able to train so many people, but there's only one of me, there's only one of you. I can't physically go to every office. And for you, I guess it's a little different because you, you know, you're doing an actual inspection. I'm not, but it's, it is hard to get all of them going kind of in the same direction. And so, you know, my hat's off to you with that. Yeah. Northern Virginia, it's amazing how much growth is going on here. And you you would think that even in the Boston area like that, I was just talking to somebody up there and it's pretty busy up there, but still even more going on and on. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we we're we're, gonna, yeah, we're I coming don't know up on happening. a. Sh- <laughs> I don't either. But we, I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. We open up all yeah. these practices, but can we find some people to work in it before yes. you guys like keep opening? You know, that's yes. that's been a big issue. How yes. has workforce shortages? How has that impacted the infection control in your offices? It's really impacted in a negative way, unfortunately. I mean, you just don't have the bodies. You don't have the people there to be able to perform the protocols, these monthly protocols and these tasks that need to be done, these weekly tasks. Because remember, on the clinical side, everybody that has an infection control or a safety OSHA safety task to perform still has to perform 
the position that they got hired for, right? And that means assisting the doctor, or if you're a hygienist, you're seeing patients, or if you're an associate dentist, you're, you know, you're treating patients. So the staff shortage has been, is negatively impacted, of course, this particular area. One of the kind of things that I've been really trying to push is the digital workflow solution so that we could like the digital tracking to replace some of these manual tasks because, we still have to do them. We're still required to be compliant, right? And so mm-hmm. that's been a little bit of a struggle because in our industry, everybody is so used to doing everything manually, like manually writing down and tracking the spore testing and manually mm-hmm. writing, you know, writing down, you know, waterline testing, like all of this. So trying to introduce a digital solution that might not necessarily be posted in your face on a cabinet oh, door. Got it has been a pain point for me because I'm like, I'm trying to implement something that will make your life easier, but out of sight, out of mind many times because we get so busy. Right. And so that's, that's been the struggle, but it's going there. Dentistry is going digital and it's just going to be a matter of time to where everything's going to, they'll, everybody will adopt doing infection control tasks. You know, the manual record keeping portion digital, digitally. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to say, what on earth could we put into a digital workflow? So you're talking about like the, the spore testing, like maybe the, I, I, what else, the, what else yeah, would be so on you've there? Got, Water you've lines. Got, you can, right. You can track that. You can track, there is a guideline in the CDC where you are supposed to record the load number for every single cycle. There's a couple of different parameters that you have to record for every single time that that autoclave is running. And one of the autoclave, this uh, brands, Midmark, they actually have a data log tracker. So you just, it's a USB. Yeah, it's a USB. You just connect it. It's low cost. It's not, I think it runs, you know, in the range between eight to $900, but it completely replaces any one of the staff members writing each of these cycles and all of this information down. And so oh, that's a been no really brainer. a lifesaver. Yeah. What a no brainer really, for that. I know. I know. Every time I walk into an office and if they have a mid-mark and if it's a model, because it doesn't work with the older models, but like mm-hmm. I would say the last, I was told like the last five to seven years, those models it works with. I mean, people are jumping on it left and right because they're still able to stay in compliance, but they don't mm-hmm. have to have the manpower to do this, right? It's digital. Well, uh, I'm a just, little surprised by this, to be honest, because I, I, well, it's been a long time since I've taken in infection control. I'm not in the office sure. as much at all. Yeah. So as an inspector, you going in, if you ask for that and it's not completed, that's that's a demerit, I guess. I guess yeah, it's a bad mark, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a citation. So, yeah, yeah. That is that, is that yeah. something that they are like, I didn't even know that that was... yes. Something? Yeah. Because I'm yeah, thinking, gosh, if I'm surprised. Guidelines. Yeah, it's been in the guidelines since 2003, just like a lot of other things, right? And sure, there's been yeah. updates, you know, things like that on certain guidelines, right? But there's a lot that I walk into dental practices all the time and they're like, oh my God, I we never even knew. We thought we just had to spore test weekly. We didn't know. We thought we just wow. had to put a date on the pouches. We didn't know that we have to track like every load, all the parameters on every load. And and uh, so there's a lot of different type of tasks that I see that mm-hmm. 
practices just are unaware. And they're like, well, where do we get this information? What do we do? You know, of course that opens the door for the OSAP conversation, but, um, but yeah, no, that that's very typical for me to walk in and and that's not being done. And it absolutely would be, they would be cited for Mm -hmm. that by an inspector if they didn't have that. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me one other thing that nobody is aware of. Give me one other that you see that you are always <laughs> um, writing people up for. <laughs> let's see. Oh, I will say TB screening. No matter what the risk of the dental setting is, whether it's low mm-hmm. risk, most private practices are low risk. If you're talking about hospital settings, things like that, mm-hmm. community clinics, a little bit more high risk. But okay. the guideline is no matter the risk, Every single clinician or someone who has clinical duties has to have TB screening verification on file, or they have to sign a TB uh, declination form saying they understand the risk, they're not going to get the screening, they know. And if in fact, at a later date, they want to do it, they'll go do it. So that a lot of people know about the hepatitis B vaccination, but it's the TB screening that a lot of people don't realize. And you were supposed to get that when you hire that team member. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to wait till after. Now, if you have not done it, the guideline is that if they've had a screening within the last 12 months, you can use that screening. And if okay. they haven't, then they need to go get a screening or sign the form. Wow. Most offices that I walk into, they don't, they don't have it. So it's either, right. you know, we try to put a deadline in place and they, they get that. But yeah, that's a big one that a lot of people are like, what? I never heard about this. So yeah. So for the people who are like brand new yesterday to dentistry, TB is tuberculosis. And so if everybody is, if you don't have that, I mean, can you like do a group TB screening, (laughs) like bring people in or do they all have to go to the doctor? No, no, no. Well, everyone is supposed to have an occupational health program in their practice, which basically Mm -hmm. means that if anyone were to get injured in your practice, you have to have a facility for them to go to. You should have an established relationship with that facility. And that is where you could send your team to go get their TB screening. That's why it's important when you're choosing a medical care facility that they're able to do some of these types of procedures. I've walked into some offices that where they use maybe colleagues who are medical doctors and they're family practitioners. And unfortunately, they can't do hepatitis B vaccinations. They can't do TB screenings. They can't do rapid HIV testing. So Um, that's why you need to call ahead, let them know, hey, we're going to be using you for an occupational health our occupational health facility. Can you do hepatitis B vaccinations? Can you do stitches? You know, anything beyond basic first aid that we can do here in our dental office with our first aid kit and our medical emergency kit, what can you do? And so typically I recommend a medical, I'm sorry, a urgent care facility that can do Uh. like similar to like in our area, it's called patient first, but they're kind of like a quasi kind of emergency room, sort of speak. So mm-hmm. they can do a lot and you can use them as your primary care physician. But there are other urgent care facilities across the country that don't do as much. And so mm-hmm. that's why you need to call ahead and find out. I'm not a big fan of the emergency rooms at hospitals yeah. because of wait times, but yeah. if that's all that you have, that's what you have. And so that's what you well, have to use. 
So that would eliminate. So on social media, you hear, well, my assistant had a needle stick today. What do I do? So it avoids that. Like you already yeah. would have had a yeah. facility yes. picked out. Yes. Okay. Yes. And a protocol. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yes. would hope there was so, just but a just. Big, <laughs> there was just a big to do on social media in one of the groups. And I got an, a, a, a private message. Hey, you need to check this out because I'm in the group. And, uh, uh, and there were no screenshots. I just want to put that out there. Nobody broke the community <laughs> roles. They didn't screenshot. They just said, hey, go check the group. There's a post in there. So I went and checked the group. And that was the case. You know, they were coming to the group. It was a team member. They didn't know what to do. And and mm. then there was a doctor that didn't know what to do. And so if you have a program and a protocol in place, then there's no need for you to go to social media or ask anybody else what to do. And legally, you have to be careful with going to social media with all this stuff. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable. So I always tell all my clients, please call me, stay off of social media. If you know what I told you. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, the risk, so listeners, what she's talking about is you've got a doctor or a team member who's posting that there is no existing program. And Mm -hmm. that's not a good thing. I mean, that's basically proof of noncompliance. And maybe one of the other employees would be like, okay, now I'm at risk. I didn't even know. And that's, that's an OSHA complaint because it's the safety of the employee, but it's also infection control. What if a patient saw this and was like, what the heck's going on? And they complained to the state about that. So it's, it's risky. Yeah, it is risky. It's a huge liability for practice owners and companies who own like a DSO. It's huge liability to not have these things in place. And it is one of the biggest reasons when a team member leaves and they are disgruntled for whatever reason, OSHA Mm -hmm. seems to be the first office that they contact when they are disgruntled, even if it's about something that's administrative or they didn't like the hours that they were given or whatever. I've worked with many doctors who end up getting an OSHA complaint. And the very first thing that they're told is that they don't, that OSHA is told, the OSHA office is told is that they don't have a bloodborne pathogen standard in place. And for, for employees who never knew, barely paid attention to the bloodborne pathogen standard training, all of a sudden they know that there's not a, you know, they know there's not a standard in place. So it's important. It's really important to have that in place. Yeah, because even if the complaint stems from a really inauthentic place, exactly. they still are in. Pro- they're still in in big, big. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't. And, you know, you don't want to see India showing up. No, I was the ocean say- inspector is different from me. I'm the board inspector, but when the ocean inspector <laughs> comes, that's they've most states follow federal OSHA law, and mm-hmm. the fines are very high. Uh, mm-hmm. they work a little bit differently. They, you get fined for every citation, not just a blanket fine, Goodness. like most dental boards. And, you know, they're very thorough. They come in, they interview pretty, most of the time they'll interview every single per, I mean, they are very thorough. Not that dental boards aren't thorough, but it's just a little bit of a different style and type because they have different rules and regulations that they have to for adhere sure. to. And oh, so it's not anything that you ever want to go through. Trust me. <laughs> so did you fix that that person on social media? Did you give them the answers and give them the advice? Well, I have to be careful sometimes because more and more people like kind of know who I am and what I do now. Um, before it used to be a little bit easier, but I have to tread lightly with that. 
with this particular situation, it was basically, it's best if you just delete, like this whole post should be deleted yeah. just for yeah. liability purposes, because your name is there. Because what it morphed into was that there were some commenters that were thinking about reporting oh, the, the practice. And so I'm oh, like, uh, it's best if you, you know, so yeah. um, it got a little bit out of hand. And so that's why I always say, if you don't have a compliance consultant that you're connected with, talk to your colleagues first before going to these social media groups. See if they mm -hmm. have anybody that could kind of guide you. Of course, people reach out to me all the time that aren't clients. And so I'm sure you'll put my contact information in the, in the show notes. But, you know, and I'm very open to guiding people in the right direction, whether they're my client or not. It's yeah. social media just is not the place for it. It's too much liability as a practice owner. And even yeah. just being licensed, I was never a practice owner, but as a licensed healthcare provider, I have to be careful to protect my license. So that's another reason why you don't want to put things on social media. Just a reminder to check out the companies who support the show. My friends at Synergy Dental Partners are offering two free months to try out their lower prices for labs, supplies, and select software services. To sign up, visit odysseymgmt.com slash synergy. And the link is also in the show notes. Yeah, I don't think people realize like how much, how many people lurk in these groups. I mean, just from oh, an yeah. insurance point of view, you know, some of the really bad practices out there for insurance, the fraudulent billing practices, people very proudly talk about how they're doing yes. it. And I just, I used to, a you know, long time ago, I used to say, maybe you should delete this. Maybe. And I just, yeah. I don't anymore because it's so wild west out there and yeah. people are very yeah. convinced that they're doing the right thing. But right. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I know the carriers, I know many people who work for the carriers and they're mm -hmm. all in these groups. They're mm -hmm. all in. Yeah. And if they're yeah. looking for an office just to randomly circle yep. and find to, to audit, you've just given them plenty of ammunition because they can yeah. trace it all the way back to your mm -hmm. office. And no one, well, I've had some people say, I think I got audited because of something I posted. I'll oh, go, wow. I yeah. can't, yeah. well, I can't prove it, but you know what, when you sure. tell people that you're not billing for this and you're billing extra for that, well then, yeah, someone's going to audit yeah. you. Exactly. You know, and that's why, it's you know, crazy. And when I'm talking about HIPAA, even with ocean infection control, I tell all of my clients be mindful of your social media presence and what you're posting from the business Facebook and, and mm. team members and things like that. And, and not allowing all of the visuals and the videos and the TikTok videos and all of this, because it is very common knowledge in my space as an inspector to know that state's attorneys, you know, if your case ever goes there, they're immediately going to social media to try to mm -hmm. find evidence that their case is credible and they're trying to find supporting evidence. So the last thing you want is any type of video or any type of pictures with infection control breaches, with HIPAA breaches, like you or you know, OSHA violations, like you uh, don't want You don't want that. like the slice so. of pizza next to the autoclave <laughs> right, while you're exactly. taking a break. Like <laughs> Right, exactly. And and just and I'll tell you one of the biggest ones is the non compliance with PPE. I mean, it's such it's so uh. egregious, some of the videos and the pictures that I see and I 
please, and I'm please thinking, expand on that because I'm the same way. I look and I'm just like, oh my gosh, don't post that. You're like, yeah. you're just, it's disgusting yeah. first of all, but yeah. yeah I mean, so and I yeah, get into that, that people please. People are trying to promote like their friendly dentist because of the stigma, the societal stigma of like us, you know, going to the dentist, it hurts and it's terrible and it's sterile and you don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I know you're trying to make it like a fun family atmosphere and, you know, it's yeah. nice to go to the dentist and it's great and things like that. But the problem is many times nobody's wearing proper PPE. Patients don't have safety glasses on. There are some like uh, sterilization breaches and things like that, that I see. And I know you're trying to promote your business. I know you're trying to market. I get it. You're working with companies that want you to do certain things, but you need to draw a line and say, Hey, these are our boundaries. We can Mm do X, Y, Z, but this we really can't do. I would even say on the HIPAA side, it's bad as well because so many offices post and they don't get those written release forms signed, yes. you know, yes. by the patients and they're posting, you know, the patients are in the TikTok with them or the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the case or the video on Instagram or just in the picture. And they're just promoting, you know, the dentist wants to promote and mark the different types of procedures, the before and afters and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So a lot of offices do great with this, but then there's a lot of offices that maybe they just don't know. And so I don't want to say that people don't care. I want to be like, no, they just don't know India because some of the stuff that I see, I'm like, they, they just can't know. Cause if they knew well, they totally wouldn't do this. <laughs> well, and I think too, you, you have people who grew up in front of a camera, like you got yeah. babies at cheese automatically yes. in front of a camera. Yes. So they're thinking, yes. why do I need to sign a release? But right. for people of our age who have been coming yeah. up for a while, we remember yeah. when this was a big deal and you had to get a yeah. release for every case that you took Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. and afters and then social media came along. So for those of you who are listening, and this is the first time you've heard it, it is a thing that if you take someone, if you take a patient's Mm -hmm. image or likeness and their, their personal, I guess, even their x-rays, although some people have told me you don't really need it for x-rays because it's not identifiable, but I don't want to mess around. So I would rather just why create Mm -hmm. all these exceptions, just do it across Mm -hmm. the board. Mm -hmm. If you think you're going to be using it in any kind of media, then you need a release form. And that is found in, I think your HIPAA manual, right? Isn't there a form in there? Yeah. 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 So so just use it. It's in the HIPAA law. Yeah. It's in there. You have to have um, what they say to do, what is the best practices are as far as HIPAA goes, if you are a doctor that wants to do like your before and after, or let's say you are, you lecture and you're Mm -hmm. training, you know, the industry and people in your community in in the industry, the least amount of identifying, I guess, you know, pieces of information as possible. So just close-ups of the mouth, right? Before and after, something like that. Try not to do a wide shot unless it's absolutely Mm -hmm. necessary to get your point across with whatever you're trying to do. There are a lot of dental practices that are getting in trouble. HIPAA is just like exploding. I mean, the complaints, um, the OCR, which is the Office of Civil Rights, they've ha- they've had more investigators, you know, since the new administration came in, and mm-hmm. uh, many many complaints. I mean, many complaints on healthcare I mean, facilities, like shooting, dentists. But it, yeah, it's like it's, shooting fish in a barrel, though. Like it's on. It's like yeah. you pretty much investigate, and you're getting paid from everybody yes. that I know that's ever gone through a HIPAA audit or a HIPAA mm-hmm. investigation. None of them have passed, even if they thought they had right. a really good, exactly, you know, exactly. program. And none of so, them got away without paying a fine. I can I, exactly I can tell you that everybody exactly. pays a HIPAA fine. <laughs> like they, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, everybody pays, and so they are like OSHA, like. 
their fines are hefty. And yeah. so it is not, and, it, and to go through a HIPAA audit is it's like 25 pages of like just all these questions and each question you need like 16, 17, 20 pages, you know, um, worth of documentation of things that you've been doing. So you don't, you yeah. just want to avoid that altogether. And so mm -hmm. that is why the name of my company is called learn to prevent because the whole <laughs> exactly. purpose of it is learn how to prevent all of these yep. inspections and all of that. So, and it's, well, it's always when you least expect it. Of course, of course. And one one horror story I had, you're just going to, because the implications, you'll understand this. There was a HIPAA audit, another, actually it was a, a patient that wanted their records and they weren't able to get it. It was a miscommunication, but it was just a disaster like all around, right? So they were going through an audit and the manager for this poor young dentist, the manager just said, I'm out, I'm not complying with yeah. this. And so the dentist had to do everything and yeah. she was freaking out. You know, I sent her to her state association because they had a resource mm -hmm. for this, but it was what basically happened was the the manager looked at the the documentation that had to go through it and she said I don't get paid enough for this and she just quit yeah. and yeah. that was I mean because that's what I hear it's like really it's onerous it's, so yeah so to to be clear with the image release form is it per occurrence or you can't just do one blanket like for that patient as part of their new patient paperwork like is it or do you um, can you do that. Well, I would say it's best to do, it's not written in the law as just a blanket uh, okay. release. And so certainly it's recommended because of the way it's written, it's recommended mm -hmm. that you should have one per event. Okay. Well, right? that's good. Yeah, I mean, actually, so, event, right? as long so, as we and, know, so we can make that as part of their returning paperwork, yeah. maybe there's just a yeah. line in there that adds it for mm -hmm. the, for the crazy social media, like good, crazy exactly. you know, posters, right. Right. make yourself, right. you can certainly, yourself. yeah, you can certainly do that. You also want to make sure that you have some type of records, um, a, a waiver for not records release, but a waiver for your uh, team members, because you have some oh, team yeah. members that don't want to be on social media and posted and everything. So if you're going to post uh, them, you want to make sure that you have them sign a waiver as well, because, you know, everybody's great and in, in love in the beginning, but in the right? relationship, but towards the end, when you're about to break up and they don't want to be there anymore, you don't want them to come back and say, well, I never gave you permission. And so I always wow. tell all my offices, if you guys are heavily involved uh, or even a little bit involved and do you post, like, what do you post? That's one of the main questions that we discussed during HIPAA. What do you post? Mm -hmm. And yeah. some people will say, well, it's just the generic marketing posts that are marketing company. Some people are like, oh, we just do staff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody needs to sign a release form for that. Is it um, revocable? Is it revocable though? Like, sure, absolutely. Okay, say, yeah, because I'm I thinking, be, I don't want to be posted anymore. Please, you know, you just things are, you know, things happen. Oh on yeah, social media now people are stalked and you know different hacked and different things like that. And if you don't want your image out there, you have a right. That's your right, and you just have to. What I recommend to all team members who want to revoke their waiver 
you just put something in writing stating, or you, as the office practice manager, you could just have a form that you create and have them sign. And then you make it a blanket rule. Do not put this person in any type of advertising or marketing or or videos or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and that that person probably would just have a grumpy face anyways. Like wouldn't want to be out there. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, so all of this would be, I mean, so I know you have your, your modules, but what I was really, so I'm excited about that. And I want to hear a little bit more, but what I was really excited about was that you have an onboarding um, special and that, you know, for some, for busy managers that I talk to all the time, they're like, I think I need to do this and I think I need to do that. But you've solved that with an onboarding program. Can you go into what that's about? Yeah. So it's an on-demand self-paced training through our learning module, which can be accessed via our website under the e-learning tab. And it's specifically for new hires. It's your HIPAA training, your OSHA training and infection control training. We have it set up to where once they have completed it, they're given instructions, the, the new hire is given instructions on, you know, making sure that they download the completion certificates and they mm-hmm. send them to the, to the practice manager or the practice owner, whoever is in charge of receiving that HR paperwork. And what that does is it helps the practice owner or practice manager to stay in compliance with that 10 day rule for OSHA. Now, HIPAA Mm -hmm. and infection control, there's not really that written rule. However, from, from a, you know, liability standpoint, risk management standpoint, it makes sense to have them Mm -hmm. trained right at the beginning on these particular topics. And there's been plenty of studies. There was one study I was looking at where employee retention is increased if you train your new hires. And so with the staff shortages happening, right? With all the staff shortages happening, this is kind of a feather in your cap if you can make Mm -hmm. sure that your team members are trained before they start working. I typically recommend that this absolutely should be done before they go on the floor, whether they're administrative Mm -hmm. or whether they're clinical, they need to be trained. It also allows you to continue and strengthen your infection control program. And it sends the message to the new hire, hey, we know you have a lot of experience. We know you've worked in many other offices. But in this office, this is how we do it. And this is what Mm -hmm. we're going to do. So it allows you just to reiterate what your kind of program looks like in your practice, how you guys handle your infection control program, how you guys handle HIPAA. And then what it does is it opens the door for you as the practice manager to have that kind of post-training conversation, which should Mm -hmm. be, do you have any questions? Okay, great. No questions. Let's take you on a tour around the office. Let's show you where everything is for HIPAA, infection control, OSHA, all of that. And it just really reduces the amount of man hours that you as the practice owner need to spend in this particular area. We kind of do all of the heavy lifting. And then Mm -hmm. all you have to do is come at the end and just answer questions. If there are any, take your new hire on a tour and they're ready to go uh, on, on the floor for you. Yeah. I think that's phenomenal. As a as a manager, you know, it was hard enough herding cats to get everybody together for their annual, you know, right. training. And then right. inevitably I would lose a team member or add a team member like two or three weeks or a month after that training. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Cause now it's on me to do right. all of that again. So yeah. to have yeah. a program, I would have 
boy, I would have been all over this. So yeah, for yeah. those managers who are just like, oh my gosh, another employee, yay, but oh no, here we go again. You definitely right. want to check that section out. It's interesting that you say, you know, it's, it's so important that they see the training. I've talked to a couple of malpractice attorneys who are like, you know, I really wish with any new employee, they just wouldn't let them touch any patient before they took this type of training, but mm -hmm. we're so concerned with throwing them right in there because we're short, but the right. liability is pretty big. It's huge. Yes. And it's, it's yes. licenses on the line and that sort of thing. Yes. So I'm glad that you have a solution for that. So tell me about the other parts of the e-learning that you're going to have available. I believe it's going to be in October is everything's going to be yeah, ready to rock yeah. and roll, October, right? Okay. Yeah. October 2nd, it launches that Monday. So we've had it in the past, but we've just kind of revamped it. We've updated it. And basically it's a full infection prevention OSHA HIPAA compliance program that you can implement on your own. And every, all the practices that have taken it in the past, they think it's phenomenal. They think it's great. Right. You get all of the instructions, literally like we hold your hand through the whole entire thing. It's not just a bunch of videos where we say, Hey, go take the videos. We tell you how to use the videos, how to conduct the trainings. If you're going to do team training, individual, like we really try to hold your hand because what we found is this information can be so overwhelming. It's almost like analysis paralysis. And sure. so what we try to do is give you the steps to make sure that not only you take the training, but how to implement it, but also how to implement the training in the practice. Because some people are like, well, what do I do? These are these videos. Do I just sit people in front of the computer and walk away? And and then you don't even know if anybody learned anything. Like, so, yeah. yeah, so it's been really good. We have all of the record keeping documents that you need for compliance for each topic area. We've also Great. added, um, we give two bonuses with the, we call it the DIY, do it yourself, safety made simple, but we've given you medical emergency preparedness training. And then we've also given you abuse awareness training. And so those wow. can be for those team members that need that for their license renewal and all of that, they can uh, take those courses as well. And all of it comes with uh, continuing education credits. So everything gets a CE credit. AGD pace uh, provider. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's been I'm, really great. I love seeing the, that you've included the abuse and uh, mm -hmm. the neglect and awareness package. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's so important, even if you don't need it for licensure, you know, right. people who've listened to my podcast, they know that that's a serious, it's a serious issue in our industry right. and we're perfectly poised to help out with identifying mm -hmm. that. So I'm glad that you have that. Mm -hmm. So what if somebody needs a little bit more? Like what if they're like, okay, this is great and all, but I think I need India. So what's going on there? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So right on our website, you just go to the get started page and depending on what your option is, you're going to just book a discovery call and mm -hmm. we're going to have a consult. We're going to have a, a, a small chat about you know, where you are, what's going on, what do you need help with, what type of support, what level of support do you need? Because the biggest thing is you can have access to all these tools, but you're just not sure how to implement them. You don't know what the next step should be. And so, yeah, that's how you can reach us on our Get Started page on Learn to Prevent. Awesome. Wow. You've got a lot going on since last time I talked to you. This is great. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about it. So, um, so what is the, what's the one crazy story? Cause I always, I always love the horror stories. And I said to you in the beginning, do you have a horror story for me? So yes. tell me your horror story before we wind things down. I think one of the horror stories was there was an office that did not have any biohazard 
boxes or anything in the office. And I was like, what, what is no going? sharps containers, nothing, only one that was being reused and it was oh, being gosh. dumped and reused. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Seriously. like, where are we dumping everything? You know? So I'm like, oh my God, if I had ah. pearls, I'd probably be clutching my pearl. I was probably, <laughs> I would clutch my pearls, but I was like, oh my God, I had to like walk away to get myself together to come back to be like, did I just hear it? Like, no, because I'm looking all over the office. Cause I'm doing like a mock inspection and I'm like, yeah. what is going on? Like, where is everything because maybe I didn't look in the closet correctly. Maybe it's up on a shelf oh, and wow. nowhere to be found. No, no. So it oh, was, there gosh. was just things were being put in regular trash, <laughs> you know, and so I always, like, I did, oh, no. this is an aside, yeah. but whenever I watch like law and order and they always have to jump into the dumpster to go look for things, yeah. I'm always yes, like, yeah. ew, no. Yes, Cause I'm, yes. I imagine like, well, not besides everything else, but like, I know dentists or I know oh, offices yeah. that just, throw that yeah. stuff out. Yeah. I had one person tell me, this is years and years ago. She was like, oh, we just whip up a bunch of alginate and yeah. pour it around. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that stems from, that stems from the old school dentistry, you know, 20, 25 years ago where you had that uh, product that you could buy and you would just pour mm -hmm. it into, and it would become like cement and you just throw the whole yeah. thing out. And, you know, so you would throw it out in regular trash, but unfortunately the alginate is not cement and no. so it doesn't work like that, you know? Um, no. I think, and they're yeah. like, well, it's I mean, cheaper than stone. And I was like, right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. I know. I know. So yeah, I mean, I even heard a story the other day, a dentist was washing his gloves and he had a clothesline that was hung in the sterilization area and he was, <laughs> he was drying his gloves. So Stop. I'm just like, oh, that's I don't even so yummy. That's <laughs> awful. Oh but God. don't you oh wish you God. had a picture? Like you yeah, wish you had that I picture do. for your classes. I do. I do. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. I was I just finished uh, a training earlier this week, and I couldn't help myself. And I'm sitting in my in my truck, and I'm about to leave. And I see I came out of the building. It was a business building, and they have multiple dental offices in there. And I came out of my client's office, but I see a dentist from one of the other offices mm -hmm. who I don't I don't know. They're not my client, and he's in full on PPE going to the mailbox, and he's <gasps> getting his mail. And I oh, couldn't geez. help myself. I took a picture, and I have it. I'm gonna. I have a smiley face over his face. There's no way. There's no identifying. There's no address. <laughs> you can't tell. But I'm so putting that in a presentation <laughs> because I'm like this can't be real. Like this can't be real. I mean, oh, what are the odds on. of an infection control at trainer sitting in yep. her vehicle and she lifts up her head and it looks and, and there is somebody in full on PPE. So I'm totally putting Look, that in my presentation. That dude yep. probably went to Panera in the full get up yes. to get himself <laughs> yes. some lunch, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Every time I see that, I'm like, oof. When I see that, yeah. I'm like, take off that jacket, stop walking I outside. Know. But yes. Oh, exactly. and you know, for years, I never really thought about that because we did that until we, yeah, we took a absolutely. class. And then I was like, oh, now I'm like, oh, that is so disgusting. I think yeah, of all the places yeah. I took like crown buildup and crown yes. removal vapors yes. with me. Exactly. Everywhere. Exactly. Not to mention all <laughs> so. the environmental stuff that is now right. on you. And then you're bringing right. it back into the operatory with your patients with their mouths wide open. I'm like, oh, that's just. <laughs> 
That's not uh, see yeah. see yeah. why the world needs you and people <laughs> like you. So so one last one last plug, India. Tell them your website again and what your speaking topics are, so they can find you. Sure. So my website is www.learntoprevent.com. That's L-E-A-R-N, the number two, prevent.com. And you can find us on social media. We're at Learn to Prevent on all of the platforms. And my speaking topics, I provide infection prevention or infection control, OSHA, HIPAA, abuse awareness, and medical emergency preparedness. Wow, all of the fun stuff. But seriously, yes. like people, as you can tell, she's going to keep you awake. So uh, you'll be fine in these classes. <laughs> I know, I know with the two eyes, infection control and insurance, like people think it's just going to mean like, then it's not. Yes, it's fine. Right, we right, we right, entertain. Right. So we yes, aim to we please. Do, we do. Well, thank you for coming back. And you are always welcome back anytime. And so I will have all of the information for India on the bottom on the show notes. It'll always be there for you. So you can check her out. And uh, thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. Dear listeners, as always, I so appreciate that you spend your time with me. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in the episode. You can also find links for my book, events, and my online insurance course, Dental Insurance Design and Management. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.